0: If you would again turn back in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 and uh, our subject for this morning of course is uh, the fact that the birth of Jesus Christ was very unique. Uh, Sometimes people use the word unique not in the true sense of the term In the true sense of the term unique means only one of a kind and uh, that is true of the birth of Jesus Christ there was no other uh, event like it. In fact the incarnation of Christ that is Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, the Christ who lived in eternity before he took upon himself flesh and blood, is one of the central facts of the Christian faith. In fact, the whole superstructure of Christian truth rests upon the fact that Christ left the glories of heaven and came down here to earth for you and for me. In fact, the essence and the power of the gospel is that God became a man By being both fully God and fully man, he was able to, as we talked about at the communion table this morning, he was able to reconcile us to God. So now, we who know Christ as Savior, we have a relationship with the Lord. We walk with him. We talk with him. Uh, He encourages us. He talks to us uh, primarily through his word. His Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. It's wonderful, the relationship that we enjoy with God. Because Jesus came for us. Now, we keep in mind as we're uh, looking at this unique birth of Christ this morning that there are multitudes of people who do not know who Jesus is. Multitudes. Many of the religious groups around the world have a completely false understanding of who Jesus Christ is. One group uh, teaches that uh, Christ is the brother of Satan, Another group teaches that Jesus Christ is a created being. None of those things are true. I could never have any kind of fellowship. I don't mean I wouldn't enjoy someone as a person, but I could not have fellowship with those who do not recognize That Jesus is God the Son who left the glories of heaven and came down here uh, to become uh, a sacrifice for our sins. In fact, when we understand who Jesus Christ really is, that he's the eternal sovereign God, God the Son, who came to earth to live a sinless life and to die in perfect sacrifice for us, uh, we, we absolutely need to keep this in our mind and thinking. In fact, the birth of Christ is so important to understand. We're just going to put a focus down on it this morning as we look into the Word of God. And uh, when, when I look at the account of the birth of Christ, I say to myself, Isn't it awesome to see how God had planned out the coming of His Son from heaven to come here and take upon Himself flesh and blood and live a sinless life and then go to the cross and die for me, for my sins. The the, the birth of Christ is awesome. In fact, um, the fact that Jesus came in human flesh, he came and he stated his purpose for coming on a number of occasions. One of the occasions was when Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and uh, you know it's great when tax collectors come to know the Lord. I mean that's awesome. <laughs> Zacchaeus, the tax collector, put his faith in Jesus Christ. And right after that occurred, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And of course, before Zacchaeus climbed that tree and went to uh, home and Jesus came to him and he explained to him why he came, before that, Zacchaeus was lost. And those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior... They're lost today. They're spiritually lost. And they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. They need to understand he came for them. And uh, the, the beauty of this coming of Christ, uh, in fact, if you want to, you should personalize it and say, you know, when we come to the communion table, we personalize that. We say, when I take communion, I'm testifying to the fact that I'm in fellowship with the Lord who died for me. The bread represents his body. The cup represents his blood. And that's the one I am in fellowship with. That, see, communion means fellowship. <laughs> and it's a wonderful thing. You know, we do this once a month. And together we say, Lord, we're in fellowship with you. You're our God and our Savior. And it's awesome to know that. Jesus Christ came for each and every one of us. Isaiah 44:2, the Lord said to the people of Israel, He said, uh, I am the Lord, your creator. You were in my care before you were born. God made you so that you could have a relationship with Him. God loves us and He wants us to enjoy a relationship with Him. Remember those famous words of Augustine who said, God made us for Himself and we are restless until we rest in Him. Very true. Now, let's think for a couple minutes now about the uh, uniqueness of the birth of Jesus Christ. When we use the term unique, we're saying there's no one exactly like him. And we know that his coming was prophesied very clearly in the Old Testament scriptures. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the virgin shall be conceived and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So we're saying then some very interesting statements in light of the birth of Christ. Number one, Jesus is unique by being conceived by the Holy Spirit. We'll look at the reference again in just a minute. Born of a woman who was a virgin. Stay with me. Number two, Jesus is unique by being both fully God and fully man. John chapter 1 Apostle John put it this way the word became flesh and dwelt among us so we look and we consider the humanity of Jesus Christ and we see that the scripture clearly teaches us that Jesus was conceived in the womb of his mother Mary by the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit without a human father now please keep in mind that there are those who do not accept that truth. There are those within professing Christianity. There are those who do not believe that the Bible is the uniquely inspired Word of God. There are those who would say, well, you know, we don't really believe that uh, Jesus was um, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you know the point of this is, don't miss it. The point of this is they do not recognize what the Word of God clearly teaches There is a doctrine that you can put together with regards to Scripture that says when God gave His Word, He gave it with great clarity. It's called the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture. Now, by that I'm not saying that there are parts of Scripture that are hard and difficult to understand. There are some parts that are very difficult. But there's a clarity with regards to the basics of our faith and someone who rejects The virgin birth of Christ, someone who rejects the death of Christ, cannot have a relationship with God. Okay? Look at the clarity of this one verse in Scripture. Look at it with me. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You can't miss it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After His mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, Before they came together, having a sexual relationship, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. The beauty of this is the fact that the virgin birth of Christ is stated in one succinct verse in the Word of God. One sentence, actually. Shortly after this, of course, we have the account of the fact that the angel appeared to Joseph and said, stay in the chapter with me for a minute, Chapter 1, verse 20. But while he, Joseph, thought about these things, because Mary comes back and he realizes she's with child, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife. Watch the clarity of this now. For that which is conceived in her is of the holy Spirit there's a clarity there there 's an encouragement for us to know that God was bringing his son here in order to give his life for us in a very specific way related to the virgin birth of jesus christ also um we see the account in Luke chapter 1, and I'd like you, for you to look at it with me. Luke 1, 31. Because, why do we look at Scripture? We're looking at Scripture right now because we're, we're building on the truth of the clarity of the Word of God. In uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Notice the words of the angel to Mary. The angel Gabriel. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Notice verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Since I have had no sexual relationship with a man. Verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Very, very clearly taught in Scripture. The fact that Mary... Was con- that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. So then I'm, what am I saying? I'm going to repeat myself again. I'm saying those who do, who do not believe this are not believing what the clarity of the Word of God says. I thought it was interesting reading this account to see uh, Mary's response. And of course when she heard that she was chosen of the Lord to give birth to the promised Messiah, the Savior. She asked, how can these things be? That was explained to her. But then you'll notice in chapter 1, verse 37, I, I love this, where it says, For with God nothing will be impossible. The God that we love and the God that we serve, He's the God who does miracles. He performs miracles. Now, the performing of miracles may not be all like those that happened in Old Testament times or even some of the early New Testament times, but He still is a God who performs miracles. And I'm going to tell you one that you know about. The fact that you're here this morning. (laughs) The fact that you've been saved. Remember that song? It took a miracle of loving grace to save my soul. And it truly did. The reason some theologians deny the virgin birth of Jesus Christ or even other people do it, is because of their unwillingness to recognize a supernatural God who does perform miracles. Remember we said it's always good to have the definition of a miracle in your mind and thinking. A miracle is an observable, extraordinary event affected directly or indirectly by the power of God. Another definition, this is Chuck Swindoll's, He said it's a supernatural intervention of God in which He interrupts what are called natural laws for His own sovereign purposes. So yes, Jesus Christ experienced a miraculous birth, a unique birth like the birth of no other. Yes, there was the sense in which Mary delivered her firstborn son, but the miraculous aspect of it was The Son of God was conceived within her womb by the Holy Spirit. I like this that somebody said, somebody said this, they said, A miracle needs no explanation to those who believe in God. But to those who do not believe in God, no explanation is really enough. And that's true. So just a couple things very quickly about the importance. Uh, I, I took a few moments with you and allowed you to look at those clear passages of Scripture that talked about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Christ was conceived without a man being involved. Now, let's think about the importance of this. First of all, it shows us that salvation must ultimately come from God. In other words, God promised way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse uh, 15, that Christ would come and Christ, uh, his heel would be smitten, but he would strike... The head of Satan. So that passage was saying Christ is coming. Here's the first reference in the Bible. And there's going to be something supernatural that's going to happen. In fact, I'll tell you what it is. The writer of Scripture, Moses, said it's the fact that Satan is going to be dealt with. So Satan in the future will be completely dealt with, but he was actually dealt with on the cross. And that's the great truth of the Word of God. It's a supernatural work of God. The virgin birth of Christ is an unmistakable reminder that salvation can never come from human effort. We're saved because we put our faith in Christ. And you see, whenever it was, no matter how many years ago, you put your faith in Christ, God did a supernatural work in your life. And He brought you out of Satan's control, out of the kingdom of darkness, and He put you into the kingdom of His dear Son. So the the truth of the Word of God the truth of the fact of the um, virgin birth of Christ spells out the fact that even salvation, our being saved, is something that God has to do. And this is, this is brought out in another verse that talks about the birth of Christ. Galatians 4, 5. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born of, of, under the law. I'm going to repeat it. God sent forth His Son, To be born of a woman, to be born under the law, to redeem us, (laughs) to buy us out of the marketplace of sin, to make it possible for us to enjoy a relationship with God. Second thing about the importance of the virgin birth. The virgin birth made possible the uniting of the full deity and the full humanity in one person, the person of Christ. You know, when you stop to think about it, when Mary held that little baby... That was God. Right? God the Son. What an awesome thing that God the Father would allow his son to come here and to be born and become a human like us. But he never he never lost his deity. He's always fully God and fully man. And of course you know the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah nine six prophesied this. For to us a child is born, his humanity. Unto us a son is given, his deity. The Son was given from heaven. Quickly. Third one. The virgin birth makes possible the true humanity of Jesus Christ without any inherited sin. Now this is what Chuck Swindoll calls this the one of the most basic truths of scripture. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? Jesus was born a man, but he didn't sin because he was born without a human father. So that the line of descent from Adam was interrupted. The word to Mary was, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child who is to be born will be holy the Son of God. In fact, that's that's beautiful to keep in mind. Why the virgin birth? Why do we speak of it? Why do we look at the clarity of it in Scripture? Because the Savior who was born was the sinless Son of God. And because He's sinless, I, I, I had to turn to this passage this morning again. I had to do it. Hebrews chapter 4, if you want to look at it, Hebrews chapter 4. So why get excited about the sinlessness of Christ? Because He's the one that's running our lives. He's the one we go to for direction in our lives. Look at this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, Boy, sometimes people don't understand how much God loves them and cares for them and he knows us and he knows our weaknesses, especially in the year of temptation. But he was in all points tempted as we are. Now here it is, here's the phrase. When Jesus was born, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and he was born without sin. All right? Hey, that's good to know. Jesus was born without sin. What's good to know about it is the next verse where it says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that so we may attain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God, He's the one we go to and say, Lord, you know, I'm experiencing a temptation right now. Something in my life that I'm tempted to do something I know you don't want me to do. He's available to us, you see. He was tempted. He understands that we're tempted. And He is able, what's the text say very clearly? To give us mercy and grace in the time of need. So the next time uh, you find yourself being uh, tempted to do something, and remember there's somebody who can help you out is in heaven who indwells you as a believer, who will enable you to say no to the temptation and yes to doing what God wants you to do. That's why we consider in careful detail, the virgin birth of Christ because he was born sinless. And lastly, the virgin birth was necessary for our Lord's saving work. Remember, of course, the, the angel said to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Christ took upon himself the form of a man in order that he might go to the cross And there die for our sins, pay the price for our sins, so that we can have freedom and eternal life. I'm going to repeat them. I'm going to repeat them. First of all, the virgin birth shows that salvation ultimately must come from God Himself. It's not from human effort that we are saved, that we're born again. God sent forth His Son to redeem us, to buy us out of the marketplace of sin. And when you want to think of what God did as a result of the sending of Christ and the virgin birth, think of the fact that He had you and I in mind. And He had to do the work of bringing us to Himself. Secondly, the virgin birth made possible the fact that Jesus could be fully God and fully man. Thirdly, it made possible the fact that he could become a man without having any sin in his life. Yes, he was tempted to sin, but we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, in a time of temptation, I realize that you will, can and want to enable me to say no to the sin and yes to God. The virgin birth is absolutely essential in the Word of God. One more thing. One more thing. When we think of the virgin birth of Christ... We realize these things that we have just gone over to show us the importance of believing that Jesus Christ's birth was absolutely unique. He was born of a virgin. But you know, there's somebody else involved in that. And that's someone by the name of Mary. Very interesting. When she was presented with an opportunity to serve God to put herself in a situation which, from the human standpoint, had a lot of questions involved in it, she said this, and I love it, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, Mary said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. She was in submission to the Lord. There were potential problems. Her closest friends and relatives would assume that she had been immoral. She could have had someone she was engaged to put her away, as the text of Scripture said. There could have been a lot of things that could have come into her life that thinking about them could have caused her to say, I don't know if I want to do this. But that's not how it was for Mary. Mary was devoted to the Lord. She yielded herself to the Lord. In fact, her attitude of yieldedness to the Lord uh, reminds us that we too need to have that attitude. We need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God, Romans 12.1. In fact, I think that if Mary could speak today, the one whom God had chosen to give birth to the Son of God, she would say, we all should be yielded to God. And willing to do whatever he wants us to do. Let's pray together.